At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. of the nightcap alongside Joe Fan from WinBet sitting in for Sean King tonight. I am Tim Murray. Thank you, baseball, for entertaining us for the last hour with the Home Run Derby. Juan Soto edges out Julio Rodriguez in an entertaining Home Run Derby. Lots of home runs from your guy, Julio. Yeah, 81. But my guy, Juan, I'm not bitter at all that my ticket didn't cash. But my guy, Juan Soto, comes 53. through. Uh, this but cupcake path. Thank you once again for entertaining us, but let's get to the important stuff. That is the National Football League, and we continue our summer conditioning. We are doing the NFC West starting that today, and we begin with the Seattle Seahawks, predicted to finish in last place in the NFC West based off of the odds. We bring in Greg Bell from the Tacoma News Tribune at Seattle on Twitter. Got to go right to the quarterback situation, Greg. Obviously the man who led this franchise to a championship and multiple, multiple winning seasons. Russell Wilson no longer there. Who's going to win this job? Is it a full-on competition, or do you think it is uh, Drew Locks to lose right now? Well, Tim, you're right. It's the first and last in every question around Seattle. Ten years they've had Russell Wilson and no questions at all. When you go from set at quarterback with a once-in-a-generation, maybe Hall of Fame, Super Bowl champion, to what they have now, <laughs> you're, that's the questions they're facing. That's their whole season. It's why the oddest makers are picking them for last in the West. Drew Locke is, I believe, what they plan on doing. We'll see if he proves himself during training camp. So far, Geno Smith in the offseason, OTAs in minicamp, has been number one because of his familiarity. And so far, in shorts and T-shirts, he's been strictly number one. They haven't alternated. He's kept behind the first-team offensive line. Rashad Penny has been his running back. DK Metcalf, when he comes back off his injury, will be in the number ones with Smith to start training camp, but Pete Carroll is very quick to say, hey, it's not going to take long for Locke to get up to speed and, and catch up familiarity-wise early in training camp. And to us, that was, okay, his public pronouncement, not just to the fans, but even to Drew Locke, that we're going to make this a competition during August. We'll see how that means of alternating with the first team. That's really what I'm going to be looking forward to seeing in training camp and preseason games. How true is this competition? Are they going to alternate with the ones? Is there going to be a clear number two quarterback with a second-team offensive line? But they didn't make this move for this year. 
they didn't trade Russell Wilson, acquire Drew Locke, and all the picks they have here in the next couple of years to have a quarterback in 2022. They have four picks in the first two rounds next year. That has not happened under the Carroll Snyder regime. The plan is to have a quarterback for the future by the end of the 2023 draft, which we know is stocked with ready plug-and-play quarterbacks. Greg, I think people are on really different sides of of the coin in terms of how they feel about the moves this offseason, giving money to Will Disley, re-signing Quandre Diggs to a big contract where they've got so much money tied up at safety now alongside Jamal Adams, where it's, hey, are they trying to uh, you know rebuild and compete this year or truly make this a multi-year rebuild process that you know they hope they can get back up to speed sooner rather than later, but this isn't the year. Um, everyone's all over the map on how well the Seahawks did this offseason. I'm, I think, more bullish than others on what they've accomplished, but I'm curious what your evaluation of these last few months has been. Well, they've built everything but quarterback, Joe, which is peculiar and different. Pete Carroll is going to go different on defense, and he has, I mean, he's run the same defense and subscribed to the same 4-3, cover 3 since the Nixon administration, since the early 70s. And at age 70, going on 71 in September, he's going to a 3-4. He wants speed on the outside. He wants his pass rushers to be stand-up offense outside linebackers instead of defensive ends. Gone is Carlos Dunlap and Benson Mayo and Terry Hyder. And here come the speed off the edge. You know, Osu has come in from the Chargers. Daryl Taylor will get a featured role that he had six and a half sacks as an outside linebacker last season. This will be a faster, more versatile defense that will play more man-to-man, that will blitz more, that I think will use nickel a lot more, which means Jamal Adams will be free to be a wild card, those are the biggest moves they made in the offseason. Yes, they resigned, and they didn't do this, they didn't do that, they brought back Disley for a lot of money, and they had Noah Fant as the number one tight end in the trade of Wilson, and they'll go a lot of two tight ends. But they are building everything else differently beside quarterback. The Pete Carroll's plan is to be so much better on defense. They were 31st in the league last year on defense. So much better forcing turnovers from quarterbacks. They only had 18 takeaways last year. So much better pressuring that, frankly, they want the quarterback play to not be as all-important as it has been in the last few years. It's still, of course, the biggest position in the sport. But they are hoping to mitigate the Russell Wilson loss by being so much better on defense. The bottom line, Joe, they got worse. I mean, you trade your franchise quarterback, you're worse. And this league is so quarterback-driven. They had the one piece that always made them a playoff contender, and now they don't have that anymore. What's going to happen with DK Metcalf? Does he get signed before training camp starts? Does he show up if he doesn't have a contract? Uh, is he there but not practice? What's your gauge on that situation? Well, Joe, you know how they are. They, their demo in the past for the big deals like this is in entering the last year of the deal. They'd get it done in the first few days of training camp. I don't expect it to be done before training camp. Everyone's in really gone fishing mode until Ju- July 26th when they're all due to report back. I'd be really surprised if we get out of July and that deal's not done. It'll be the devil in the details of the guaranteed money, as it always is. But know this, the Seahawks have a lot more cap space than they've had in many years under Schneider and Carroll, plus $50 million heading in next year. The cap is going up for everybody. So what sounds like $20 million, $25 million a year would be too expensive and prohibitive, it won't be by this time next year. And then when the gaming rights and, and gambling revenues that are unseen and untold how much the NFL is going to reap in that after the media rights deal kicks in next year, the cap's probably going to be above $250 million per team here in two years. It was 182 last year. So that's huge. That's a, I mean, what seems expensive to the Seahawks and everybody else to pay right now won't be. 
And Metcalf will be well worth $25 million a year if he, they get a quarterback around him by the end of next year. Look for that to be done by the end of the month and something north of $25 million per year, and then the guaranteed money will be what gets him in camp. We're talking to Greg Bell, covers the Seahawks for the Tacoma News Tribune. Follow him on Twitter, at GBell. Seattle. All right, it's been kind of doom and gloom here. Let's let's, let's talk about something maybe positive. <laughs> Kenneth Walker, who was tremendous last year for Michigan State, helped lead them to uh, you know to 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 a uh, you know a, a appearance in a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, he's a second round pick. You don't spend second round picks unless you're the Packers with AJ Dillon and not give that particular player a ton of carries. So, what is your expectations, Greg, for Kenneth Walker? year one, because, you know, as you and Joe well know, Rashad Penny hasn't played more than 10 games in the last three seasons. So I, I expect big things from Kenneth Walker, but w- what do you expect year one with Walker? Yeah, Tim, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a one and one a with Rashad Penny and Walker, and you're right. They can't count on Penny to be the one back for 16, 17 games, and Walker's going to get a lot of the early down carries. Uh, they still have Travis Homer and DJ Dallas to catch the ball out of the backfield on third down. But they don't need to give Penny 20-plus carries, early down carries, and ramming inside tackles if they have Ken Walker doing it. And that was the plan by drafting him in the second round. And I'm with you. They don't pick him in the second round with all the needs this team had on the offensive line at the time. Still a corner, linebacker depth. Uh, There were tons of positions they needed to address, and they took a running back in the second round. That tells you that they are planning big things for him. And uh, those in the fantasy realm, people who are wondering what they're going to get, they're going to be some Ken Walker touches and opportunities out here. Chris Carson may not play again. Pete Carroll has stopped, but short of saying that, that he keeps getting second opinions. Carson is on his neck. that was surgically fused last year. Uh, they're trying to get third opinions. See, but so far all signs are that he is not going to be on the field at all during preseason and may not play again. So Penny's only signed to a one-year deal. It speaks to his, even as good as he was at the end of last year, it speaks to his injury history. And the future really could be Ken Walker starting in September in a 1-1-A role. Well, you saying that, and I brought this up maybe a couple weeks ago, Greg. This year for Offensive Rookie of the Year, it's completely wide open, right? One quarterback went in the first round, Kenny Pickett. It's not a lock that he's starting over Mitch Trubisky. Uh, It's a lot of wide receivers, you know, Drake London down in Atlanta, Traylon Burks, early returns aren't great in Tennessee, Christian Watson, you know, how does he jive with with Aaron Rodgers? So that's a roundabout way of me asking you, Kenneth Walker's a little bit further down than I expected. He's around 12 to 1 uh, to win Rookie of the Year. Is that offensive line good enough to block for him? And do you think at some point in the season, if it is a lost cause, if they just turn to Kenneth Walker as the future and, and give him, you know, the bulk, the bulk of the carries as the season goes on. Well, you're smart to bring up the offensive line. <laughs> That's been Seattle's issue for almost most of this last decade, ever since they traded Max Unger in 2015 for Jimmy Graham. If the line is not markedly better, they're not going to send Walker or anybody else out there a lot. But that's the plan. They they may go with two rookie offensive tackles, which has happened only twice in the last 40 years in the league. They drafted Abe Lucas out of Washington State in the third round. And, of course, Charles Cross from Mississippi State with their ninth overall pick. Those are two of the reputed to be the better pass rushers and college pass protectors, excuse me, in college football last year. But they're somewhat unproven as a run blocker. And run blocking is sometimes harder than anything in the NFL for offensive linemen, even though pass rushers are steaming off the edge because of how physical guys like Aaron Donald and inside defensive tackles are. 
and a kid out of college, it takes a while to get his hand on the ground and fire off at Aaron Donald and succeed <laughs> at any rate. And that's really what they're asking all the rookie offers, the three-fifths of the offensive line to be new, Austin Blythe's new center. That's what they're going to be asking them to do. Can you get firing off the ball and get us the run games reestablished in Seattle that, again, mitigates the quarterback play and not ask if they don't have Russell Wilson here to win games by himself anymore and to escape pressure? Ken Walker will be a part of that if the offensive line is what they hope. But, man, is that still unproven right now? He's Greg Bell, covers the Seahawks for the Tacoma News Tribune at G Bell, Seattle on Twitter. Greg, we appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks guys. There Thanks, is. Joe. There he is, Greg Bell. More on the Seahawks. That's Joe Fan. I'm Tim Murray. It's the Nightcap here on BC. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Ice-cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Alongside Joe Fan from WinBet, I am Tim Murray. Joe filling in for Sean, who's uh, on morning duty uh, on Follow the Money, and uh, he's doing his best of retweeting everybody that is uh, congratulating him on the Juan Soto prediction. I don't know where he could have got that from. <laughs> Just great call, Sean. No idea where you could have got that. The good news from. is you're not bitter about it. No, not at all. And you're handling it really well. Yeah. So credit to you yeah. for being the bigger man here. Yep. All right. Uh, but let's keep it going. It is summer conditioning uh, with the Seattle Seahawks. And I, I want to finish off what we talked about with Greg there because I am curious your thoughts. You covered this team for, for a couple years uh, up there in the Pacific Northwest. You're still very close, and you're going to be doing some writing on the Seahawks uh, this year as well for the Mariners too, or covering the Mariners as well. So when you look at what's in front of Kenneth Walker, and, and I think this year's Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year is so interesting because – you know, the first handful of picks weren't skill position players, right? The first one that went was Drake London uh, at number eight. You had offensive linemen, you had, you know, edge rushers, and you had a cornerback. 
So your your first guy is Drake London, and then you also go um, another wide receiver at ten uh, in uh, in Garrett Wilson, then Chris Olave. So you get those wide receivers early on, who certainly could have big years. But when you're a second round pick and you're a running back, you know, like we talked about with Greg, you're going to get a lot of the carries, especially as you well know, Rashad Penny can't stay healthy. So my biggest question, that's why I wanted to end that with Greg, was is that offensive line good enough for Kenneth Walker to have a breakout rookie campaign like a Josh Jacobs a couple years ago uh, where he would have won it if he didn't get hurt in the past in the last three games, Kyler Murray ended up winning it. So, you know, would you look for um would you look at Kenneth Walker to win offensive rookie of the year? I think there's value there in the absence of an obvious wide receiver in a perfect situation who could do it. Or of course a quarterback who I don't know if we expect any quarterback in the NFL, any rookie to get major burn, at least in the early going of this season. I think it would take you know, uh, not Marcus Mariota, who's in Atlanta, but uh, Mitch Trubisky in Pittsburgh to be terrible through the first quarter of the season for them to pull the plug and say, hey, we're going to go with Kenny Pickett right. and let him let him go. And then in, he all of a sudden becomes the odds-on favorite to be the uh, rookie of the year. I think Kenneth Walker has value regardless of what you think about the offensive line. And it's a big question mark because you don't know how Charles Cross is going to play. They might be starting another rookie at right tackle at Abe Luke, in Abe, Abe Lucas. Two tackles being rookies, yeah. not something you want to bank on in terms of elite offensive line play, but what you can bank on is the Seahawks' style of play. And you know in the absence of a star quarterback, they are going to play the field position game. They are going to be run first, run first, run first, run first. It's going to be Pete Carroll ball like we have never seen Pete Carroll ball before. Um, and so I think that coupled with Rashad Penny uh, – potentially being in and out of the lineup because you can't rely on him. That guy to stay healthy for 60 yeah. or 17 games now. Yeah, I do think there's value in Kenneth Walker. They're going to try to keep these games tight, make them four-minute games in the fourth quarter because they're not going to want to get in the track meet with anybody because they'll get absolutely obliterated. But I think, there's, I think there's enough talent defensively in Seattle to keep them in games to where the game script doesn't get too lopsided. Yeah, would you say 12-1? to 12-1 to one at draft Yeah, games. why not? Yeah, I mean, you look at... Some of the other, you know, Kenneth, Kenneth, Kenny Pickett, excuse me, is the favorite. Brees Hall, uh, second-round pick. Uh, he goes to the Jets. He's plus 750. I, I wouldn't touch Traylon Burks. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I, I just I don't see him being an immediate impact down there in Tennessee or enough to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Drake London, he could certainly get a lot of targets, but who's throwing him the football? Is it going to be Desmond Ritter? Do we think Marcus Mariota is going to be healthy the entire time? Christian Watson's intriguing, but I think those odds, in my opinion, Joe, are just too short because how is he going to jive with Aaron Rodgers? If I were to bet a wide receiver in Green Bay, I would rather bet Romeo Dubs at 100-1 to than Christian Watson at 9-1. to Well, Christian Watson may ultimately be better. You just don't know who's going to get that immediate chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. I think Sky Moore's interesting at 10-1. to you know, filling in for that Tyreek Hill role in Kansas City. And then you've got Garrett Wilson at 10 to 1 as well. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I think Kenneth Walker with. Uh, Will Jamison Williams play this year? Yes. Middle of the season. So I don't know if he'll play enough. No. If he, he were, you know, healthy from the jump, he would be, uh, he would be a, hell of a hell of a look there. What you about know, Dotson with Carson Wentz throwing the football? You know, and I know this is about to, supposed to be all about the Seahawks, but with the report coming out about Leonard Fournette being overweight, Sean loved Rashad White coming out of Arizona State. He's at 30 to 1. So, 
uh, maybe something to, to kind of keep an eye on there. But no love for your Washington Commanders receiver, Jahan, Dot- Jahan Dotson. No. Okay. I just think Terry McLaurin's going to have so much impact this year to take away, and then you know eventually Logan Thomas will be back, uh, and the Antonio Gibson I think will be a you know as he normally is a very very heavily involved in the pass catching. Yeah, I think aspect. it. You can look at a, a, a star receiver as being a benefit to a rookie. I think another guy that I mentioned last week. Uh, I think. Tyler Algier down in uh, Atlanta at 50 to 1. I think he's intriguing to me because they stink. And if you're rebuilding, why are you giving the ball to Cordero Patterson? Just let your fifth round pick, you know, get going if he's if he's good enough. So I think there's a couple guys that see Pat's lander. I mean, I, Carson Strong has shorter odds than Tyler Algier. Like, come on, what are we doing here? Carson Strong was undrafted and is in Philadelphia. So. I think we just take Kenneth Walker and call it a day. I think I mean I I do think Kenneth Walker's an intriguing look there at twelve to one. So that's the positive. As for the negative, the win total at DraftKings is five and a half, juiced to the over, which at, is interesting. And uh, so let's just start there. You know this team very well. Do they? Do you see six wins on this schedule, knowing how difficult things will be, knowing that the NFC West plays the AFC West this year, which is no. Uh, easy feats. You get arguably the toughest division. You play in the toughest division, one of the toughest divisions in football, and then you cross over with arguably the toughest division in the AFC West. A couple of your other games, you have on the road at at New Orleans. You know, when I came on your show, I like New Orleans. I think they're, they're really talented. Um, So that's a, that's a tricky spot there. Um, They do get the NFC South, which is which is helpful because the Panthers they get them at home, they get the Falcons at home. So I think that's beneficial. When you look at this schedule, Joe, it's minus one forty to the over. So the over is the favorite, plus one twenty to the under. Which way would you look on the Seahawks? I think it's interesting that the betting market believes in the Seahawks getting over five and a half wins, given the fact that it's used pretty significantly more so than any other over under win total around the league. The over is is juiced uh, in some shops to over minus 130, minus 135, Mm -hmm. which is not something you often see with a win total. And so that, to me, speaks volumes of how competitive the betting community thinks the Seahawks are going to be. And I think there's something to it. I think I am more bullish than most, uh, or I guess I agree with what the betting market says, because I think, like I mentioned, they have a clear identity. They've got enough continuity on defense. Um... They've got a clear mind of how they're going, as Greg told us, in terms of going from a 4-3 defense to a 3-4. I think there's enough there to where they're going to hang around. Remember, when Russell Wilson was out with the finger injury, they competed with everybody. They almost beat the Steelers on the road. Now, Pittsburgh obviously wasn't that good of a team last year, but still, that was a primetime game at Heinz Field, RIP. Uh, The Saints almost beat them. Geno Smith kept them in games. And so if there's any modicum of, untapped potential in Drew Locke. I think they can get to six. I don't think I'm betting it, but I do think as in terms of a team against the spread week to week, I think they are going to be a team that surprises people, which is why I think week one, they're only, what, four and a half point dogs against the Broncos? That's not a huge number given the Broncos' expectations this season. So I, I think the Seahawks are going to be more competitive on a week-to-week basis. Do they end up winning games late in the fourth quarter? Maybe not, but I think they are going to cover a lot of spreads. Yeah, week one, I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, you've got Monday Night Football, and Denver is laying five on the so road. Now it's five. It Seattle. was at 1.4. DraftKings still has it at four and a half. Okay. I- I'll tell you this right now. That's going to be one of the most lopsided 
uh, bets on the board. People are going to just be laying it like crazy uh, with the with the Denver Broncos. So that's going to be Seattle's Super Bowl. That might be my situation where I take the points with Seattle and see because I can tell already uh, that is going to be lopsided. Before we hit a break, who would you have starting at quarterback? Drew Locke. Yeah. Take the guy. I mean, I think you give him the first go, unless he's dreadful in camp in the preseason, and you give him a bunch of burn in the preseason. I think he plays every first half, all three of the four games. I guess there's only three games now, the first two games. And unless he's dreadful, you go with him. If not, you go with Geno, who has shown that he can at least keep you in games. All right, well, Drew Locke, if he is the guy, he's got some receivers that are pretty talented to throw to. We'll take a look at some of the season yardage props for DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Anything to lay your hard-earned money on. We'll keep summer conditioning with the Seattle Seahawks next right here on the Nightcap. This is the Nightcap on VSN, the sports betting network. Keeping rolling here on the nightcap alongside Joe Fan from WinBet at Joe underscore Fan. I am Tim Murray. Sean King on morning duty this uh, this week, so he was on Follow the Money with uh, Dave Ross earlier today. He'll be back at it uh, all week, uh, so I will be holding it down with uh, Joe tonight. It's got a Pacific Northwest feel uh, vibe because we got Joe tonight. Then Femi Abebefe will be coming in uh, the next couple nights with me before I. Bemi, good people. Before I bid farewell uh, for a little vacation uh, after Wednesday night's show. Uh, but tonight, we are talking some Seattle Seahawks. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like five and a half, I, it's, not a, it's not one I feel strongly about one way or the other. Um, if, if forced to make it, interesting nugget from uh, Ian McDonald on Twitter. Always, uh, always appreciate Ian, a loyal listener. He said, the Seahawks face the third toughest schedule of opposing quarterbacks based off of last season's QB rating. That's why I wouldn't bet it. It's a, I mean, but it, I do think it's interesting. Why is the over juiced? I mean, five, when was the last time they won five significantly? Games? Yeah. Well, when's the last time they didn't have Russell Wilson? Also true. Uh, 2012 was his rookie season. So Correct. a decade with with Russell Wilson. Um, so yeah, a changing of the guard, uh, no doubt about it. But you know, if Drew Locke can uh, can put it together, or Geno Smith, who en- whoever ends up taking the reins. They do have some pretty good wide receivers to throw to, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and their over-unders for receiving yards are, I think they're they're kind of interesting to look at. So DK Metcalf, we'll start with him. Over-under is 900 yards receiving. So last year, he had 967 yards. He played all 17 games. Year prior, 1303. And his rookie season, he had 900. So it's right there at 900. But the difference, once again, those first three years, he had a first ballot Hall of Famer throwing the ball, and now he's got a potential bust in Drew Locke or a journeyman in Geno Smith. And, you know, you talking about it, and even Greg kind of alluding to it, and you even mentioned a little bit more, is you know, what, what's going to be the style of play Seattle's going to want to do this year? Are they going to grind it out a little bit more? Are they going to play defense, a little keep away? So... When you look at a number like 900, I think your initial inclination is, well, over, obviously. But is it that obvious? When he went for 967 last year, he played in every game. And this year it's at 900, and obviously Russell Wilson is gone. 
I don't think it's obvious at all. I would avoid it. I'd, I'd probably rather go towards the touchdowns at six and a half because I think he's going to get enough red zone targets, especially if they have negative game scripts. You could look at a lot of garbage time scores, but the yardage is concerning because I just don't know if I have any faith or enough faith in Drew Locke and or Geno Smith delivering the mail on time frequently enough, high enough volume, high enough success rate. I mean, I think you're looking at, you know, when you're talking about catch rate, I mean, his catch rate could be real low based on targets. Um, and his targets are going to be probably down from what we've seen in years past. So I do think the ball is going to be spread around more than it has been. I think the same thing goes for Tyler Lockett. He's not going to have those games where he has 11, 12, 13 receptions with that chemistry with Russell Wilson in the short and intermediate. Um, I think you're going to see tight ends get involved more. They drafted uh, Dwayne Eskridge in the second round last year, who they're going to want to get involved, you would like to think, um, given they took him before Creed Humphrey, um, which was a glaring uh, draft misfire for them that, that would really have their rebuild looking a lot differently right now. Um, yeah, I would lean most of the unders. For a receiver to get there over on any team, even the best receiver, the best quarterback, so much has to go right. Mm -hmm. Quarterback's health, receiver's health, game script, all of it. And I don't know if I want to bank on Metcalf or Lockett, two players that have both been very boomer bust type players over the last couple of years. Tyler Lockett, a lot of his production comes in three or four games where he'll blow up for 13 catches, buck 50 and three touchdowns. Then he'll go three straight weeks with less than 50 receiving yards. DK Metcalf, very much the same way. Um, obviously, both explosive deep threat type guys. Um, I would lean under on both. I just don't know if I want to be sweating Drew Locke passes all season long, hoping that they can get over. Yeah, I think the quarterback uncertainty would 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 lead me to to stay away. You know, Tyler Lockett. Once again, you look at his numbers. You look at what the what the market has set at eight fifty and a half. He's gone over that the last four years: nine sixty five in twenty eighteen, uh, one thousand fifty seven in twenty nineteen, one thousand fifty four in twenty twenty, and last year eleven seventy five. So he's exceeded that with 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 over 100-plus yards every single year, but then you just everything reverts back to, yeah, but it's Russell Wilson, and now who is the guy do you trust? And, you know, Kenneth Walker is somebody who, um, you know, as we talked about, I do want to say Rashad Penny under is something I would take a look at. Last year, he did go for 749 yards, which is actually pretty good considering he only played in 10 games. Um, he, blew, I mean, he was the best running. No one, no running back over the last month of the season had more rushing yards than Rashad Penny. So when you look at the over-under on Rashad Penny, it's 825 and a half. I, I just feel like, Joe, and, and you know you know this team more, more than I, but like I said to Greg, you don't spend a second-round pick on a running back if he's not going to eventually take that job. And Greg felt like it was a 1A, 1B type of situation with the injury concerns. I, I couldn't play over. But I would, I could maybe be convinced to look under on Rashad Penny at eight twenty five and a half. I like the under. To me, it's a, it's an inflated number because he was so good at the end of last season. And if you believe that that's who he is, it doesn't matter how good Kenneth Walker is. Rashad Penny is going to get his, and that eight twenty five number will be surpassed probably with ease. But between Walker's presence, how are you really going to bet an over based on four games at the end of the season, at the end of a lost season that didn't mm -hmm. mean anything with no playoff hopes? Um, and yeah, Kenneth Walker waiting in the wings. No, absolutely not. So I, I think I would lean under there with you as well. And if and if he 
if he gets over, you tip your cap and you move on to your next bet. Yeah, of the three, of those those player props that are available, if I were to play one, it would be Rashad Penny under 825.5. I just, you know, as you kind of alluded to, I wouldn't touch Metcalf or Lockett. Uh, they're both clearly talented enough to get those, and they've gone over it the last three, four seasons. But the uncertainty of quarterback... What are the games? What are the you know, what's the game plan going to look like there for uh, for the Seahawks? All right, so win total sitting at five and a half. They are minus two twenty five, Joe, to finish last place in the NFC West. Three to one to finish third, plus seven fifty to finish second, sixteen to one to finish first. Uh, of course, Rams, 49ers, Cardinals. Could you see a scenario where they finish third or? Are the odds telling us something? It's it's pretty surefire that they're going last place. I'm all the way out on the Cardinals, so I don't think they're going to be worse than the Seahawks, but I'll happily take every Cardinals under this season. <laughs> without DeAndre Hopkins for six games, without Chandler Jones, Isaiah Simmons didn't take a huge step forward in year two. Unhappy quarterback? Unhappy quarterback, immature quarterback, potentially not well-liked quarterback in the locker room. Y- you, yeah. I don't think the Cardinals are going anywhere. So I would actually sprinkle a little bit on third. What did you say the third is? Three to one. Give me, throw some beer money on the Seahawks to finish third and hope for the Cardinals' demise with me. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's wrap up our summer conditioning segment on the Seahawks with their first win. So we talked about Monday Night Football, week one, at home. By the way, what is that crowd going to be like? Oh, man. Because I am it, fascinated to see what because his reception will be. They got to cheer him, right? But they'll quickly turn. So you tell me. I think they should cheer him. Will everyone cheer him? Absolutely not. He, he was He's the guy who he was your longtime girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, whatever. You ended things amicably. But he had someone else immediately, and he leaned all the way into it. His whole wardrobe was orange and navy the second that trade went down. He is rammed. Let's ride. Broncos country. Let's ride. Over and over and over again. I think every Seahawks fan is immediately in it. Right now in the short term, it's too fresh. And I think think there's going to be a smattering of boos. He will be in the Seahawks ring of honor. He's a Seahawks legend, and he will always be revered in that city. But I think... He will come in as the X, and I think Seahawks fans, bitter some of them, uh, will happily boo him. It's going to be a Super Bowl for both sides. And Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson will tell you it's just another game, no big deal, much love all the way around. But you know that means a lot to everybody. You know that whole defense. Now Bobby Wagner is gone, but Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, they're going to want to get Russell Wilson. Are you kidding me? Jamal Adams sacks Russell Wilson? Oh, yeah. He's going to want it. So as we look at where the first Seahawks win will come, does it come week one against the Broncos? I think it could. Right now, by the way, on the money line at Circa and uh, also Caesars, it's plus 190. So as we look at this, you know, as we always say, shop around. If it's not the Broncos, it would seem to make sense it's the Falcons at home week three. But I'll be honest, man, there's something inside of me telling me that that week one is going to be very... Very close. I would agree with you. I 100% agree with you. Nobody knows Russell Wilson better than Pete Carroll in that Seahawks defense. Everyone's counting the Seahawks out. The Broncos are going to win the Super Bowl. Noah Fant catches three touchdowns. Ooh, man. 
Drew Locke throws I, for four. I can already know. I already know right now. I'm gonna be taking the points with the Seahawks in Week One. It's the nightcap here on BC. This is the nightcap on Visa. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And the Sports Betting Network. It is a nightcap here on VSIN. Friend of the program, Jared Smith, going to stop by in studio. He's having a little vacay out here in the desert. He's going to stop by. I'm going to put him to work uh, as we are one to do. Joe Fan filling in for Sean King tonight. Just uh, did our summer conditioning on the Seattle Seahawks. Not a lot that I'm ready to fire on. I think just too much uncertainty, difficult schedule. I'm certainly not expecting much, but. I'm not racing to lay, you know, go under five and a half wins with them. It's They're- amazing, as you mentioned in the last segment, this was regarded as one of, if not the best divisions in football for the last really three to five years. And now it's in such a rebuild mode or sort of in flux where every team, except for the Rams, obviously the defending champs, have tons of uncertainty. The fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the, the Niners roster yeah. is wild. It's July 18th. Training camp is coming, and if they break camp with him on the practice field, that would be shocking to me. Alas, he's still on the roster, and until he's not, it's still a storyline. But what is Trey Lance going to look like? The issue with not playing him as a rookie means you don't really know what you're getting in year two. You don't have a year of experience and reps, which is why I thought it was such a bad decision, because now all of a sudden, look where he would be going into year two. And he's a big question mark to where I'm not looking at Niners' futures either. And I know you're going to get there. But to me, the Rams, without much juice, what is it, minus 125 to win the division? Plus 125. Plus one, plus 125. Yeah. Take it. Take the Rams. Take the sure thing rather than banking on a best-case scenario for uh, the Cardinals or, or even the Niners. Yeah, my worry always with the Rams is depth. You know, are they, if they get an injury, they're so thin because they spent so much money on their high-profile players, which is... You know, it's worked out for them. They just won the Super Bowl, um, and they keep doubling down. I don't even know what the what the salary cap means uh, anymore. But um, yeah, I, 
nothing in the NFC West is, you know, I, I'm kind of with you. Uh, maybe not as low, but I'm not expecting a ton of things from, from the Cardinals. Still a ton of questions about Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach, Kyler Murray. As you mentioned, Hopkins is suspended. So, you know, a lot going on there with Arizona. Seahawks are uh, kind of in, uh, in a weird spot. But, okay, so the biggest favorite in, in the divisions market is the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then it's Buffalo. And then behind that is the Green Bay Packers to win the division. And I thought there was a very interesting thing today as it was kind of making the rounds. I'm just looking it up. Green Bay right now minus 190 to win their division. And, yeah, they are the third shortest favorite. Uh, it's Buffalo minus 225, Tampa Bay at minus 330. So former Viking linebacker uh, Ben Lieber said this about Mike Zimmer, who is now gone. I mean, it's not like I'm not breaking news here that Mike Zimmer did not like Kirk Cousins. And I think that showed in the way that Kirk behaved and the way that he carried himself. The team was never given to him or he was never allowed to earn the trust of the team because the head coach, I think, just didn't like him. Lieber continued. That was a top 10 offense last year with a very green first-time offensive coordinator. Where was their defense ranked last year? 31st. The year before that, I think they were 27th. So people can rail on Kirk and rail on this offense and say he, we can't win with him or we can't win this with this offense. I say that's total BS. Lieber continued. We couldn't win with the crap defense that we've had the last two years. We couldn't stop the run at all, ever. And then, in key moments of the games, we couldn't stop any two-minute offense. So, to me, the biggest liability of this team has been defense. All this team has to do is play good team defense, finish in the mid-teens at the end of the season, and they're playoff bound, and they can make some noise. I think that's fascinating. We had Paul Allen, the voice of the Vikings, on when we were talking about the Vikings. And he sung the praises of Kirk Cousins and how he you know, would finish games, you know, uh, what his you know, numbers were. And, you know, look, I, I covered Kirk Cousins in the D.C. area for a long, long time, and it was a hot-button topic because of, you know, RG3 and then the contract situation. You could argue, you know, until you're blue in the face, does he deserve the money that he's getting? I mean, the fact of the matter is he just played the game right, right? He just played the contract game. I look at that offense, and I look at Kirk Cousins, and now I look at Kevin O'Connell coming in, and there's questions. How is Kevin O'Connell going to be Joe as a head coach, as a first-time head coach? But you got to remember, and I brought this up when we you know, talked about the Vikings, Kirk Cousins has had how many different offensive coordinators there in Minnesota? I mean, he had his best years with Kevin Stefanski. He leaves. Now you've got Kevin O'Connell, who there's familiarity with from Washington. Wes Phillips is the offensive coordinator. He was the tight ends coach in Washington when Kirk Cousins was there. You've got one of the best wide receivers in the game in Justin Jefferson. You've got Adam Thielen. K.J. Osborne made some big strides last year. And you've got Dalvin Cook, who, you know, there's always questions whether or not he's going to be healthy for the entire year. Man, there's a lot of interesting pieces. Irv Smith Jr. is coming back. I don't... I don't know where you stand on this Vikings team. Um, I haven't gone, you know, pull the trigger, 
fully to win them to win the division, but it's certainly intriguing to me, Joe. And I think this is a playoff team, especially with the expanded playoff, uh, you know, field. And I, I just I feel like those quotes coming out kind of sounded the alarm a little bit about the situation, and maybe this will be the best thing for Kirk Cousins in this offense. I've already hit send on wow. two tickets. I've sent on them to win the division, and I sent on them to win the NFC. And I think both them and the Eagles are my favorite sleepers in a, a wide-open NFC. You mentioned how thin the, the Rams are. They still will be one of the favorites. They're the second favorite in the NFC. You have the Bucks, who remain the Bucks, and mm -hmm. they are the favorites in the conference for a reason. Then you have a Packers team that has Aaron Rodgers throwing to a team without Devontae Adams or an offense without Devontae Adams. And I don't know how much you can take the Packers to the bank as a heavy favorite. This Vikings team, I think what Lieber said is brilliant. Just play competent defense. He's not wrong. I mean, they ranked 29th in yards per attempt in terms of rushing yards per attempt allowed. They ranked 28th uh, in passing yards allowed. 30th in total offense or total defense, 24th in scoring defense. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. And so Kirk Cousins does get a bad rap because he's had the egregious Monday night streak where he can't get a win on primetime. And look, and he, he doesn't have the signature moments. Well, and, and, I'll, and I'll, you know, he had a moment in Washington where it was disgusting. His performance, it was kind of a Carson Wentzian performance against the Giants who had nothing to play for. Washington, if they won that game, they made the playoffs. But you look back at some of the defenses that he had in Washington, they were putrid. And, you know, they did go to New Orleans and beat the Saints as a, you know, touchdown underdog a couple years ago in the playoffs. So last year his numbers were, were really impressive, 33 over 7 uh, touchdowns and interceptions. And I'm not saying he's a top 10 quarterback. I think he's a top half of the league quarterback. And with the weapons that are around him and Justin Jefferson just continuing to be elite Adam Thielen's getting a little older, but him as a number two option. K.J. Osborne continue to emerge. Mention Herb Smith. This offense should be very, very solid uh, there, and it remains to be seen. You know, They spent a lot of draft capital on defense, right? Lewis Seen in the first round, safety. They went and got Andrew Booth in the second round, a cornerback. So they're trying to infuse. They, they drafted two corners in the top four rounds. A Caleb Evans uh, out of, uh, I think he transferred to Missouri from Tulsa. Uh, they got him. They got a linebacker in the third round. So they're, they're, they're putting some serious effort and draft capital into the defense and to what you know Ben Lieber said. If they could just be middle of the pack, this would be a really good football team. Yeah, and you also, again, have to look at where they play. The conference, the conference is really shallow. Someone's going to surprise somebody. The Bears somebody. are terrible. The Bears, the Bears are, terrible. are terrible. In the division, you have the Bears. I like the, the worst team I like football. the Lions. Yeah, they I might be competitive, be, but like they probably the still Vikings. a year away. They beat the Vikings last year. Sure. But, but again, if you're comparing their division to others, it's much more gettable than most others around the league. So yeah, I do like the Vikings. And uh, is Darius Smith taking him from the Packers? You hope that helps. Um, I'm in on the Vikings. And uh, I think Kirk Cousins, you don't become a three-time Pro Bowler for nothing. And he's a guy that, you know, teams get in this, this pocket where – yeah, we can do better, but you can do so much worse. And the Bengals played that game with a long time with Andy Dalton. All of those things are true, but I think there's enough talent around the Vikings in a gettable division and a gettable conference, for that matter, for them to be a factor. The Packers, I think the underrated part of the Packers this year, everyone's focusing on Aaron Rodgers and who he's going to throw to. Totally fair. I mean, the best receiver in football, in my opinion, is now a Las Vegas Raider. 
That defense, though, man, they just keep pumping first-round picks into that Packers defense. Two first-round picks this year on the defensive side of the ball. Now they've got a score. I like their back, their backfield tandem. Uh, so that's why I'm not racing to play Vikings to win that division. I think at the price it is, certainly an intriguing look. I think the Vikings absolutely, though, are a playoff team in 2022. That's Joe Fan. I'm Tim Murray. We talk to our good friend Jared Smith in studio next. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare 